Hello and welcome to the Echo Podcast. My name is Christian Evans and I'm the senior news editor of the Augsburg Echo student newspaper. In our final episode of the semester, we'll be recapping and discussing some of the largest stories to happen on campus this past semester, as well as looking ahead to 2019. This is the Echo Podcast. Central to the conversations on campus this past semester has been the issue of race, an issue that was highlighted in an Echo article on the 9th of November. The headline, Professor's Use of N-Word Raises Questions Over Academic Freedom, Inclusivity, from Editor-in-Chief Ryan Moore, detailed Professor Phil Adamo, then director of the Honors Program, use of the N-Word while teaching James Baldwin's A Fire Next Time. Accounts of what happened in the class vary with different sources, but... The issue has raised a broader discussion about inclusivity on campus and is being led by a number of prominent students within the Honors Program. I sat down and talked with Ryan Moore, the main reporter on this story, to discuss what has happened and where the story is going. We're here with Echo Editor-in-Chief Ryan Moore. Ryan, obviously the story of the semester has been Philadamo and the inclusivity or lack thereof within the Honors Program. Take us from the beginning of November when this uh, issues began uh, to now. Right. Uh, when we were looking at this at the end of October, uh, early November, we wanted to make sure we had enough details and there were enough events that had transpired for it to be um, an actual coverable story by us. And very quickly after us finding out about the incident, um, enough came to our attention that there definitely was a story there. That So then looking into it uh, as a concrete news piece involved getting statements from uh, members of Augsburg's administration who had become aware of it, students that were in the class, other students within the honors program, uh, primarily students of color within the honors program, because one of the largest things that came of this is the idea that this was not an isolated incident and um, pointed to a larger system of events within both our honors program and our campus. So what started with one incident in Professor Adamo's classroom has kind of grown into the idea of, well, what is the state of inclusivity both within our honors program here, but also our uh, campus, and especially our campus that cornerstones itself on its diversity inclusivity as a whole. Uh, So now we're at a point where the honors program is uh, entering Uh, a complete review that will be carried out by the new interim director, and that will have huge ramifications for the entire campus going forwards. Right. To summarize, Professor Adamo has been temporarily, at least at this point, removed from his position as honors director. He has taken a medical leave of absence this semester. Uh, It is unclear as to whether or not he will be on campus or a presence on campus next semester. Uh, What can you tell us about the Augsburg Day student government response to the broader discussion of inclusivity since these events occurred? Since these events occurred, uh, the Augsburg Day student government held what they called was a uh, what's next listening session. 
in which over 40 students in the student lounge talked about changes they would like to see on campus. Uh, both of these, or all of these things directly referring to Professor Adamo and the honors program, but also our campus as a whole, the way we uh, do our tenure review processes for faculty, our cultural competency training, or lack thereof, or how that has taken place for our faculty, hiring faculty of color, and since then, the Augsburg Day student government took all of that feedback they got at this session, and I'm sure feedback they've gotten from talking to other students um, around campus, and most recently passed this past week, I believe on the 12th, their institutional climate resolution, which calls for eight things, among of which um, pushes for hiring more faculty of color or making that an emphasis, cultural competency training for students, or cultural competency training for both students and faculty, actually making cultural competency a part of um, the first year OGSEM course. And then uh, a change to our course evaluations that asked to take um, whether or not uh, faculty members respected students' cultural or gender identities in their classroom. Absolutely. Um, moving forward, a faculty-led day of action has been planned for Martin Luther King Day on the 21st of January. Where's the planning uh, along in that process, and what do you expect that day to contain? Right. From what we know about that day of action on Martin Luther King Jr. Day right now, um, it will be in the morning before Professor Kwame Ross of our own education department um, speaks as part of the day's um, programming. But before that, with the Day of Action, it sounds like there will be more discussion panels like what faculty have already held, um, speaking a little bit about uh, the faculty perspective on all of this and how the institution plans on um, approaching inclus inclusivity as it goes forward. The question that we'll, we'll kind of look at is what role students have in planning this day of action and if there will be other days of action asked for um, that is more student-run than faculty-run. Mm, certainly there's a possibility, at least from what has been communicated so far, that a student-led day of action or something similar organized by the students in the honors program who have really been leading a lot of these initiatives, uh, they might have a role in a separate day that is not necessarily connected to the faculty day of action. Right. You were very correct there. So things that we'll look at are um, the programs that those two different days of actions contain if both days um, are actually scheduled and take place. Um, we'll want to look at attendance to some of the sessions that are held in these and particularly um, the differences in what these two days of actions are asking for, one from a potential student perspective and one that's currently scheduled from a more faculty-geared perspective. Aside from the issue of inclusivity on campus, Augsburg administration and Augsburg faculty are currently in the middle of a massive negotiation and revision of a 2018 Gen Ed revision plan that would alter the requirements for Augsburg students entering next year. Ryan interviewed me about my reporting on that story and where it will go into next semester. All right, Christian, we'll kind of uh, flip roles here and I'll interview you about one of our other big news stories of this semester, which is uh, the Gen Ed revision. So do you kind of want to give a general overview of what that story's consisted of thus far? Absolutely. So certainly lost in a lot of 
the attention that the honors program situation, understandably so, has taken up on campus. One of the larger initiatives going forward from an administrative standpoint is the gen ed revision that is um, taking place right now. So a general ed revision takes place about every 10 to 15 years. Our last gen ed revision, I believe, was in 2004. I'm sorry, 2002. And essentially what the gen ed proposal that is currently on the table, which students and faculty can read, takes a number of different changes to both the OGSEM course that all first years are required to take. It changes a number of different vocational aspects, which work their way into the gen ed curriculum in a number of different ways. And it changes a number of different overall requirements that all students will have to have. It's very complicated in terms of what is being changed. One of the biggest question marks in the current gen ed proposal, which is being debated and will be changed from an from its current form as faculty senate move forward in discussions will be the presence of a religion requirements. Um, Augsburg in subsequent gen ed revisions has eliminated religion requirements from three to the most recent one in 2002, reducing it to two to now this proposal would reduce it to one. Now, obviously there are faculty. We talked to Mark Tranbeck very early in the semester, who's a professor of religion, about the presence of religion and religious classes or religion classes in Augsburg's curriculum, particularly as it ties to our history and how moving forward that could impact our identity as a campus. Um, that reduction to one brings up also a question of who, if anyone, will have jobs eliminated, if certain classes will take those places. And so the gen ed revision, while it certainly isn't the main story people are talking about, is a massive thing moving forward that will likely see uh, pick up speed as the Board of Regents, the Faculty Senate, uh, attempt to approve that before the end of the academic calendar in May. Right. So like you kind of alluded to, um, the gen ed revision has kind of been um, put slightly on hold or if not on somewhat of a back burner compared to uh, the honors program incident and the inclusivity questions around our campus. Do you see any overlap between the gen ed uh, revision going forward? Oh, certainly. And I think demand from students particularly will be important uh, as next semester moves forward. Uh, there is call, as you mentioned, for inclusivity training of students, uh, for inclusivity and different um, literature to be taught and to be taught effectively within classrooms. Those are aspects that can manifest themselves in a number of different way within a gen ed proposal, whether it's, again, what a syllabus requires for uh, content of literature, uh, the sources that you are teaching, and to make sure that there is a level of competency in teaching subjects that are sensitive to um, matters of race, matters of sexual orientation, matters of gender, and that when a gen ed proposal does pass, that aspects that students are calling for now are present in the required curriculum of Augsburg for future students. Right. You said, um, shifting gears a little bit, one of the primary departments affected by this change would be the religion department. What other departments are going to see changes to how they run uh, if this uh, proposal goes forward as planned? Well, certainly one of the gears or one of the type of changes to the gen ed revision is how classes are categorized. And so a student would effectively have to take 
a class that fit five different categorizations. Uh, they could use one class to fit one of those categorizations. Those replace some of the requirements for social sciences, humanities, that currently exist in our um, general ed requirements. Um, so depending on how those classes are categorized, it could impact departments uh, disproportionately. Um, departments such as the English department or American Indian studies that are experiencing difficulty recruiting students might face uh, increased difficulty if they're unable to recruit more um, students to come. Uh, the question is, should they have to? And one of the larger questions within any faculty revision is what should be required of students and what should students be open to taking but not necessarily forced to? Um, what role should professors or should departments play in actively recruiting people to join their major? Uh, certainly the Star Tribune covered the decline in Augsburg English majors earlier this fall, and that could be a, a very interesting dynamic of this uh, moving forward is how active do professors need to be in recruiting students specifically to come to the school and be a uh, insert major here. Mm. So Winston Hecht, one of our staff writers, gave a really good overview of this general education revision uh, in an issue earlier this semester for us. What aspects of the story are you hoping to have the ECHO look at as we continue into spring semester? Well, certainly the negotiations of requirements is one of the biggest ones. Um, the vocational training aspect isn't really clarified in this gen ed version as it exists right now. So some clarification as to who would be teaching these vocation-related classes that would take the place of an OGSEM is very important. And just, of course, uh, as it pertains to our inclusivity conversation right now, um, how do the demands of students and the general desire for more inclusivity within the classroom, more sensitivity to teaching matters of inclusivity and diversity manifest themselves, and how does that play out in the nuts and bolts of a general ed revision? Uh, that's, uh, I think, what we'll be focusing on and looking at as the plan evolves. While the ECHO has reported on the evolving stories that have taken place throughout the course of the semester, one aspect that has also contributed to our coverage is the contributions of student opinion pieces as well as faculty opinion pieces. Among the opinion pieces include pieces from the faculty senate, members of the English department, professors who are part of the American Association of University Professors, and a litany of different student opinions. While it would be difficult to sit down with each individual author or authors of those opinion pieces, I thought it would be a good idea to sit down with our own opinions editor to talk about the process and themes of a number of those pieces. So now we'll go on to a conversation with Echo Opinions Editor Abigail Eck. Abby, it would be an understatement to say that you've gotten a few opinions <laughs> over the past couple months with um, this honor story and with a number of different situations. Um, what can you tell us in terms of what you've observed as the editor of the opinion section about some of the elements at play with what's been coming in? Yeah, so first off, I would just like to state that um, we have had a lot of opinions coming in, and that um, we at the ECHO are very committed to journalistic integrity, and it's important to acknowledge that um, not all the opinions that come through are, are indicative of what we think. That being said, um, a lot of the conversations have centered around, um, as you all probably know, race and academic freedom, and like aspects of privilege that are especially um, cycling around this campus, because um, there's a definite disconnect between um, white students and students of color, and white faculty and faculty of color. 
Um, and that's definitely um, been an aspect that's been expressed to the opinion section this semester. So let's break down kind of the two main conversations here, because obviously there seems to be a discussion of inclusivity within, more prominently within the student uh, dynamic, mm -hmm. and really the faculty have shown a much more present uh, conversation about academic freedom. So let's put those two up. When it comes to inclusion on campus, uh, what are some of the things that have been submitted and what are where is the kind of conversation going based on what's been submitted to the opinion section? Right, so a lot of um, articles that we've gotten are uh, very concerned about what this means for the honors program itself, um, among other things. So if we have, because we do have this um, clear disconnect between um, students of color and faculty of color versus students that are white and faculty that are white. Um, and so if this is happening honors, what does that mean for the rest of the campus? And what does that mean for the program itself? Um, other worries are um, just like what needs to happen now and what needs to be acknowledged because um, it's very, very important that there's a representation and a reflection of teaching styles, acknowledging and studying um, works by people of color and um, in a respectful way um, without creating feelings of unsafety or fear. Oxford really markets itself as a safe place for students of color and a, and a lot of students come here because of that. And when there are experiences like that, um, that can be very damaging. So um, it's really important that Augsburg shows that it's walking the walk. But the thing is, is that administration moves very slowly and there's a um, discontent in that and discomfort and kind of fear that nothing's actually happening. So we see that really reflected in the opinion section this semester, um, centering around these conversations of race and academic freedom and what that means. Absolutely, and in terms of academic freedom, it does seem that a number of faculty have submitted, not conflicting, but opinions that don't necessarily match up with one another. And so it does appear that there's a, there's a group of faculty that are advocating for academic freedom, and there's a group of faculty that are saying this isn't an academic freedom issue. It's an issue about how academic freedom is expressed with regard to safety. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if I can hear some of your thoughts about kind of that dynamic. Yeah, so that's very interesting because that brings in a question as to what exactly academic freedom is, which is a big question when coming to college because it's a lot more free form with how um, professors can teach. Um, and so we've gotten, um, again, that, that dis disconnect between those uh, professors who are stating, well, we are still exercising academic freedom by, like, asking these questions and being able to bring this up in conversation and having those concerns. And others are saying that this is a matter that is um, separated from that. Um, so it's, it's very interesting because it's definitely caused um, a sort of divide and conversation on campus that's going more into depth as to what exactly that means. And if you will, possibly um, talking about like this idea of political correctness too. And certainly, faculty are not the only ones who wield academic freedom. And I think we're seeing an extension of that as students expressing their concerns are expressing their ability to have academic freedom and advocate for reform within the classroom. Yeah, I would also just like to add that I think it's also really indicative of 
Augsburg's community and culture itself that these conversations are actually happening and that they're being allowed and that it's it's cared about throughout campus as being shown in the opinion section by faculty, by administration, by students. And I think that, um, I'm an optimist, so <laughs> I think that that is a, um, that's indicative of change that is coming. Hopefully that's positive. Abby, thanks so much for sitting down and giving us an update. Uh, we look forward to seeing more opinions and more of your work uh, next semester. One of the newer developments in the campus-wide discussion about race occurred in early December when an incident involving a racial slur and an altercation between an Augsburg student and three Avians employees took place. I sat down with managing editor, soon-to-be co-editor-in-chief Jessica Mendoza to talk about how that issue plays into the larger story occurring on campus. We're here with now co-editor-in-chief Jessica Mendoza to talk about the situation that occurred on December 3rd in the cafeteria involving a couple of um, Aviance workers. Jessica, what can you tell us about uh, what happened? Mm -hmm. So from, right, the story's still developing, but the information that has been confirmed by the individual who's a part of the, the incident, um, the worker at Aviance, um, so he was working a shift there, and as, as during this was like around 6, 7 p.m. in the cafeteria, a student walked in and approached him, asked him to make him a sandwich, and um, it escalated where um, the worker wasn't attending that, uh, that portion of the line, and the student responded by calling him the N-word, and there was a little bit of a verbal um, confrontation as one would expect with with something so so jarring like that out of like the, the ordinary and just um, that level of, of violence that comes with that word and um, from there um, my understanding is that uh, in the story of, of like how things occurred the worker um, talked to two other people who worked in Avians about what happened and um, they decided to, to go into Ernest, where the student lived, uh, found found that student who who used that word, and um, they has a physical altercation, and which resulted in like DPS showing up. But this was after the fact um, of what what had happened, um, like physically with uh, the student being hurt, but nothing nothing serious or or grave that that happened to them. And um, as of now, those three workers have been fired, uh, but the student who we are yet to confirm and, and, and publish a, a name or anything like of that type of nature, um, nothing has necessarily happened where they've faced um, consequences as far as we know. How do you think that this issue plays into the broader conversation around race and inclusivity that is happening on campus, particularly this semester? Mm, um, yeah, well, I think that it just goes, it just adds on to to more of like we're becoming aware and we're at least having more conversations about these issues that are on campus because I think that one of the things that comes up as soon as you say Augsburg and as soon as you, you start like looking around campus and just um, the way that we advertise ourselves or the way that like, or what people come to, to know and love about Augsburg um, is the fact that we have so many voices included and, and so many people represented uh, of different cultures and of um, various experiences. But I think that it also goes to show just that um, there's, there's something 
deeper than that and it's not just as easy as saying like oh you know we're, we're a diverse school and that we um, have uh, like more people of color than um, most states and most schools in the state um, that that doesn't mean we don't have like all these other issues that are that are presenting themselves and now that we're we're, we're seeing them in in our faculty and in different programs we're seeing them in the cafeteria like just they're they're everywhere um, and so like there there definitely needs to be a lot of work done and I think there are a lot of people who who want to do the work um, who want to have those conversations and I think that um, you know this is it, it it's disheartening right uh, of what, what's been going on um, but I think that it, it contributes to to us examining more places where we could improve more more conversations we need to be having um, amongst ourselves and at the very least, like I think that's what I can see coming out of this situation. So you talked a little bit about how long-term this is going to impact the conversation. Where in the conversations that will be had next semester and well into the future regarding diversity does this specific incident uh, fit into the uh, larger action items? Mm. Well, I think that in what's happening right now with like this situation and and once we we gain more information and, and our like the the investigation with whatever information um Avians and and I, I believe like Augsburg or the administration or who, whoever like once they get all the, the information that they're looking for um, confirmed and just the details of it one thing that I know has been uh, a, like talked about in different circles has been um, just like uh, that that level of like okay um, like faculty worker student um, no matter like what what you fall under of those labels like how how much um, like how much information do you have about um, like other cultures or how much um, are you putting into like yourself of like um, interacting with other people and like putting yourself there in, in a position where it's like um, like 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 I said, with like being in a in a diverse community, being in a diverse school, um, how that doesn't really mean much if you're not actively doing something to to be a part of it, and just more than a sense of like, I work here, I live here, I go to school here, or like I teach. And I think that even though we reach a large amount of students, there's still other students that like fall through the cracks where like they don't have that exposure to those experiences, um, and even the students that do, that's not to say like that level of exposure to these conversations should stop there. Um, so if I'm looking at the student perspective, like that education piece is really important. And um, like if I'm looking at this, the worker piece of it, like um, like how they shouldn't have to, to face something like that where it's like a student or, or anybody, doesn't matter if they were a student, um, attacking them in that, in that sense of like um, who, someone who's just trying to do their job. Jessica, thanks so much uh, for taking the time to sit down with us. Appreciate it, and we look forward to the ECHO's coverage of this issue going forward. Thank you. Between fall and winter sports, Augsburg Athletics have had a busy semester with a number of different teams making it to the MIAC Championship Games and making national headlines. For a more in-depth look with that, we'll go to ECHO Sports Editor Jackson Gerber. All right, we'll move on to sports. We have Echo Sports Editor Jackson Gerber here with us. Jackson, thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, no problem. 
So, Jackson, let's sum up the fall semester of sports, specifically football, volleyball, and uh, men's and women's soccer. Yeah, so the football team had a down year. Um, they lost their starting quarterback early, and uh, the offense just could never get rolling. Volleyball had probably their best year since 2012, 2013. Um, unfortunately, they ran up with the uh, defending national champs in the first round of the tourney, so they got ousted pretty quickly there. Um, and then the men's and women's soccer teams both did phenomenal. Um, both made it to the Mayak championship game. Um, men's soccer lost in a shootout to Carlton. And then the women's soccer hung in in the first half with St. Thomas. But then St. Thomas was nationally ranked basically all year and went pretty far in the national tournament, and so they lost there. Not only that, but um, the women's soccer team forward uh, Ashley St. Aubin actually broke the school record yeah, for yeah, points as a junior. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see how, how many goals she can get and see how big that record is actually going to be. <clears throat> Absolutely. Looking at the sports that have started as part of the winter season, yep. uh, what are some of the big storylines to look at as we progress into the semester break? Um, so the men's hockey team uh, just pulled off a crazy upset over defending national champs again, St. Norbert, uh, beat them in overtime and then tied them in overtime. I think they're number five ranked now, and they're always uh, have a chance to win the Mayak, especially the tournament. They're three in a row, I believe. It's three in the last three years. Um, women's hockey, they'll always make a run in the Mayak championships. Um, both the men's and women's basketball teams are doing really well, too. Uh, we'll see how far Booker Copeland can take the men's team. I know he scored the first 18 points against... Concordia this last weekend, and uh, I think he's averaging 25-plus a game. So he'll see how far they can go. The women's team, um, they are they're looking really good, too. Um, they play really high pace, a lot of threes, um, but then that can also hurt them, too. A lot of turnovers, they get in foul trouble pretty easily. So we'll see how far they can go, but both the basketball teams will look to make another deep run. And finally, the juggernaut year in and year out at Augsburg is the wrestling team. Yep. Um, how are they looking at this point in their season? Uh, they're looking really strong. I think they only lost one or two of their top ten wrestlers, guys who competed at nationals last year when they got runner-up. Um, Ryan Epps continues to dominate. I know he won the championship at 157 pounds last year. He moved up a division, and he's still he's undefeated still. Um, beat a couple Division two opponents already. Um, the Wilson brothers, they're always competitive. One of them is the number one ranked 147 pounder, I believe. Um, and he's having a crazy season. Um, yeah, and then there's Sam Benihoff, who's been an All-American pretty much every year he's been here. Um, I think he got runner-up at Nationals last year. And then, yeah, I think they got, they got a transfer late last year from D1 Arizona State. He's looking to fill one of the higher uh, weight classes. The place to watch, though, is the heavyweights. Um, that could make or break them because that weight class has been kind of iffy for them. So, but they're looking to make another really deep run. I would not be surprised to see them win the championship this year. Not a team that rebuilds as much as they reload. Exactly, exactly. Right. Thanks so much, Jackson. We'll be sure to watch all of those things with uh, Augsburg Athletics uh, going into the next semester. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. That's all for this semester of the Echo Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone who has listened, read the Echo online, read it in print, and followed us on social media. Really do appreciate it. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone from the editing staff 
as well as all of those who have written for the Echo, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time. What a massive amount of appreciation we have to everyone who contributes to our paper. We'll be back with you on the 26th of January for the first issue of next semester. The Echo podcast will likely be back before that, but the specific date is unclear. Once again, our music is by the wonderful and talented Winston Hecht. Thanks so much for listening. We're looking forward to the next conversation.